Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast, where we talk about how to experience gospel freedom. Romans 6-7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. On today's broadcast, Mike Cleveland, founder of Setting Captives Free, shares how you can experience the freedom purchased for us by Jesus Christ at the cross. Well, hello, everyone. This is Mike Cleveland, and we have an important subject to discuss today about forgiveness. And I'm here with my wife, Jody. And Jody, thank you for talking about this subject with me today. Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm thankful that we live in a marriage where uh, forgiveness is readily available and freely given. It's beautiful. We are forgiven forgivers, and that's a good, good place to be. Yes, that's the way that a marriage works, is two forgivers living in forgiveness with one another. Um, we look in the scriptures, and it has a lot to say about forgiveness, but today let's focus on a passage in Colossians 3, and it says in verse 13, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Uh, Jody, as you look at that passage, what is assumed when it says forgive as the Lord forgave you? That you uh, have been forgiven by the Lord. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's good news. So it, we are understanding here that each one of us stands before God guilty. We have sinned from birth. We've gone our own way. We've been like the sheep who go astray and turning our backs on God, both uh, by birth, where we have a sin nature, and by practice, we, we sin in our lives. And the Lord forgave us. But it says, then we are to forgive as the Lord forgave us. So how did the Lord forgive us? Oh, my goodness. Isn't that the most beautiful thing to think about? How did the Lord forgive us? He sent Jesus, right, to enter into our humanity and experience our weakness and the frailty of our flesh. And Jesus lived perfectly for us. And he uh, was falsely accused and um, took took it all uh, as the sacrificial lamb, right? He... he uh, faced all the shame and the mockery and the abuse and the horrific um, torture that was de- dealt out to him. And then as he he climbed up the hill of Calvary, he bore all our sin and our sorrow and our shame and our sickness and our pain and all of it. Um, and then... He laid down, willingly laid down on the cross where they nailed him. And then he suffered to pay our sin debt. Suffered such anguish that it was beyond comprehension. He was so marred. He was disfigured. He was beyond even looking like a human, right? And, and this, is, this is his sacrifice. He poured out his life, his own blood, to cover our sins, to pay for them, to purchase our forgiveness. He has forgiven us fully. 
nothing was left behind. Yeah, that's very powerful. And it's this cross that we look at and we experience this forgiveness that he shed his blood to make amends for us. Yeah. He covered our sin in his own blood. He washed it all away so that we are whiter than snow. Yeah. That our consciences have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We are uh, holy and righteous and perfect in his sight because mm. Jesus took our sins away. Yeah. And so he paid the price for our wrongs. Yes. Um, let's talk for a minute about what forgiveness is not. So if you think about that subject, what would maybe the world say that has to happen before the one who's offended can forgive? Well, one of the common uh, struggles that um, I hear about uh, with wives is um, that they don't feel like it. They feel like if they were to forgive, um, if they um, and they're not ready to, they're not ready, they don't feel that forgiveness in their heart, that they would be lying, um, that it would be um, falsehood to say, I forgive when they really don't. And, um, of course, that struggle is uh, a bit confused, I think, because the the forgiveness that we are called to is not a feeling, right? Um, you don't hear a lot about Christ's feelings, right? Um, certainly, he felt a lot. Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we we sense the anguish of his soul on the cross we sense the anguish that he was going through his feelings were deeply um, wounded I mean there was this depth of feeling we can't even comprehend right but from the cross he says father forgive them they don't know what they're doing they don't they, they can't comprehend what they're doing and and that was true, of course, of them. But that's true of all of us on some level when we're sinning. We can't really comprehend exactly the fullness of what our sin is doing, not only to our own hearts, but to the people around us. And then the ripple effect that as it goes out into our family and the community and the world, um, we can't we can't comprehend. So... I think that it's important for us to separate our feelings from what it means to forgive, truly forgive. Okay, so one of the things that we're talking about is I don't feel like forgiving. Yeah. Okay, so that's not forgiveness. Um, we are not told to forgive when you feel like forgiving. Okay, so let's talk about another thing that forgiveness is not. Um, what are some things that the world say needs to happen in order for you to forgive me? What do I need to do to merit your forgiveness? Oh, well, um, I think it's common for them to say, you've got to work your ba way back into my good graces. You've got to make it up to me, which isn't forgiveness at all. That's just you know tit for tat that's oh you did that wrong to me now you pay you pay the debt you pay me back okay um so that's like what you would find in a court of law right if i destroy your property then the judge says oh i have to pay you 
for what that property was worth, right? And so that's not forgiveness. That's just justice, right? Right. Yeah, forgiveness so, is a completely different thing. Right. So we've talked about two things forgiveness is not. Um, forgiveness is not um, the feelings. It's not feelings. And forgiveness is not requiring the other person to make up for what they did. Right. To earn their way back into your favor, to pay somehow, um, to make amends for their own wrongs. That's not forgiveness. Right. That's law. Right. Um, and so we, we can't live in a marriage um, where we are requiring the other person to do something to make up for what they did wrong because that's not forgiveness. And it's a never-ending cycle. And the reality is you really can't make up for it. Um, I mean, you know, uh, always the old cliche thing where uh, flowers, jewelry, you know, presents uh, to make up for when you were late to dinner or, you know, some other, you know, offense. Um, It really doesn't work because then eventually... Every time the guy shows up with flowers and candy and whatever, you're like, oh, no, what have you done? You know, if you don't know yet, you know. And um, so it's not it's not a good practice. It does not work. And eventually it becomes um, an offense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad cycle to get into. Yeah, that's true. Um, so the world's uh, view that. You know, you have to earn my trust back. You have to make up for your wrong. You have to do something to prove to me that I can trust you and that um, you have are fully repentant is a wrong view. It is. It is because Jesus, or Colossians 3 here, uh, and Jesus um, both call us into a forgiveness as we have been forgiven, right? Um, and so... Uh, in fact, uh, Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples to pray, he said, um, I, the, I'm trying to think exactly how it goes. He says um, that we should forgive, uh, help us to forgive, um, as or forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, right? That's the old version of it. Oh, sorry, I should have my um, current version right here. But, um, yeah, and so... If we require someone to pay us back, we're treating them like an indentured servant. You owe me, right? So now you serve me, kind of a thing. So that that's not at all what Jesus was teaching, and that's not what Colossians 3 is saying. They're saying, uh, or God is saying, forgive as you have been forgiven. So we've been forgiven fully and freely. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? That forgiveness was extended to us before we even asked for it, right? And that forgiveness was the payment of a debt by another. Yes, it was. Um, so we don't have to demand a pound of flesh when uh, 180 pounds, or however much Jesus weighed, I don't know, <laughs> was hanging on the cross as full payment. Right. So we don't have to demand a, a pound of flesh when Jesus gave his entire flesh as full and complete payment for our sins. And that he, is the key. It's looking to the cross and saying, that's enough. What he did. Yeah, it's enough for for my sins, enough for your sin. It's enough for the sins of the world the as life. full payment, yes. full and complete payment. Uh, so we we don't 
um, wait for someone else to uh, try to make up for the wrongs they've done. Um, but let's talk for a minute about is it right to be able to look into somebody's life and say, I think you are repentant, so I'll forgive you. Uh, is that what we're to do, is to determine whether someone else is repentant or not? And then if they are, we forgive them. If we're not, well, we just wait and see what happens. Yeah, I, this is a common struggle um, for sure when it comes to forgiveness. A lot of people think, well, if I forgive them, um, you know, then they're going to think it's okay what they did. Or, um, you know, they've done this to me so many times, they cannot possibly be repentant. So I've decided, you know, until I'm sure that they're repentant, I'm not going to forgive again, right? Maybe they've forgiven the offense once or twice, but now uh, it's a line in the sand. And until I'm sure you're repentant, I'm not forgiving. And the problem with that is that none of us are God. And none of us can look into the heart of another and truly determine whether or not that person is repentant. And the Bible says, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not give that um, uh, power to a person. Right. You know how the Bible determines uh, whether we should forgive someone or not is in Luke chapter 17, where um, Jesus says to his disciples, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Right. Even if they sin against you seven times. Wow. Can you imagine like seven times in a year? You know, oh wait, Jesus said, if they sin against you seven times in a day. Right. In a day. And seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. In other words, the determining factor is if they come back to you. Right. And so it, they don't have to come back on their knees, crawling with tears in their eyes. They don't have to come back, you know, with their heart ripped up about what they did. Because sometimes that experience happens over time. It does. As I begin to walk in the light more, I see the, the darkness of my sin against you. And it begins to crush me. Um, but that's not maybe my initial, my first um, experience. My first experience is I really do want to come back and make this right. So I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And, and that is the requirement for forgiveness. And like you said, anything beyond that, and we're playing God. Right. Because now we're trying to look into the heart and we're, we're making a determination. Okay, um, he came back trembling, so he must be repentant. Or, well, I didn't see a single tear, so I don't right. think you're truly repentant. Right. You see, now we're, we're trying to play God. It's a dangerous game. And, you know, it never gets you where you want to go. If reconciliation is the goal, and let's hope that it always is, but if that's the goal, then um, playing God, determining whether someone's repentant, um, determining what they need to do in order to earn your forgiveness, these types of things are not uh, going to bring about the reconciliation, which is the goal. Only forgiveness, and that's forgiveness that flows out of the forgiveness we receive from Jesus at the cross, right? It's got to, if you're not a forgiven 
person, it's going to be extremely hard for you to forgive. And if you have forgotten that you're a forgiven person, if you have forgotten about your salvation in Jesus, if you have forgotten what the cross Jesus did on the cross for you, then it's going to be hard for you to forgive, right? But when you look to the cross, you can't help it. You really, it really just softens your heart so much. And out of that abundance that Jesus gives to your heart, you want to extend that to other people. And that's the heart of Christ as he yes. hung on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He interceded for sinners um, because he was reconciling all people to himself. You know, Jody, believers are those who have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Mm, and you. we see this ministry um, that we were given played out at the cross. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Now listen to this phrase. Okay. Not counting people's sins against them. Thank you, Jesus. So God didn't count your sin against you. He counted it against Jesus. Mm -hmm. He laid your wrongs to the account of Jesus. Mm -hmm. He put your guilt on his son. And why? So that he might reconcile you to himself. You now having no sin can come freely to the father uh, because you've been reconciled at the cross. Then he applies it and he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Before that, he says, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So what that means is we've been given a ministry and a message. Mm -hmm. The ministry of reconciliation operates with the message of reconciliation, which is Jesus died for you. He paid for your sin. I don't require payment. Yeah. And therefore we can reconcile knowing that the payment has been made. Yeah. The sin has been removed. Yeah. There's nothing between us and God or us and each other. Right. And and so this is the importance, isn't it, that we operate within the ministry of reconciliation, which means we forgive as we've been forgiven. Absolutely, it does. And But I want to be honest here and not paint a too rosy of a picture because it is hard to forgive. After Jesus told the disciples, you know, forgive seven times in a day, right? They all were like, oh, increase our faith. You know, because why? Because it is hard. When you forgive, what you're doing is you're saying, I will pay the debt. You have sinned against me. You have offended me. I will look to Jesus for my healing. First Peter 2.24, by his wounds we are healed or we have been healed. Right? And so I will look to Jesus and I will receive healing for the wound that you've inflicted on me. And I will not require more payment from you because I will receive the payment that Jesus has made. I will look at that and I will look at the cross and I will say, it is enough. It is more than enough. Jesus, heal my pain, heal my heart, and he will do it. He is faithful. He will do it. And not only 
not only will he enable you to forgive someone who sins against you, but he will put love in your heart so that you will want to bless that person. You will want to love that person. You will want to do good to them, not harm them, right? When we're offended, it's easy to desire revenge. I want to get even. I want to show them that they've hurt me and I want them to feel my pain. And it doesn't accomplish anything because God's way is the right way. And the right way is through the cross of Christ where Jesus paid it all, paid it all. All right. And that's where we have to get as believers. We have to get to where we say, I have been forgiven. The blood of Christ has paid my debt. Oh, no, man, anything except the debt of love, right? And so when you come to me and you say, please forgive me, I sinned against you. I look to the cross and I say, yes. And when I sin against you, you can look to the cross and get all the power you need to forgive me back right? That is how it's supposed to work in a believing situation. And it's not just with husbands and wives. It's all believers are to live in love and forgiveness with one another, not holding grievances against each other, not playing God and trying to determine when somebody is repentant or not. None of that. It's just a waste of time and a tool of the evil one. That's a really good point. Um, Jody. you and I have worked with hundreds, maybe thousands yeah. of people down through the years. And there's one that doesn't make us experts. We're not claiming to be experts, but we have some data points to draw <laughs> some conclusions from. Sure. And whenever we see somebody, a, a spouse, a church, somebody trying to determine, um, is this person repentant? And I don't think they're quite repentant because they didn't do something. Yeah. Um, it always goes south. It does. And it, and it ends up in a mess. And yes. it ends up in divorce or ruin in some way. Church splits, you know, all kinds right. of strife, yeah. When it, forgiveness is extended mm -hmm. and grace is shown yeah. and love begins to cover over a multitude of sins, yes. there's a chance, <laughs> not always, uh, sometimes hard hearts are involved and not always. Yeah. But I would say a much better chance that forgiveness is going to win hearts. Mm, absolutely. And it's such a bold testimony. It is such a bold testimony, not only to each other, but to your community, to the dark and, and a world that we live in, right? Um, because forgiveness is not their way. Um, and so when they see us living in forgiveness with one another and not treating each other as our sins deserve, they want to understand. They think we're crazy. We're out of our minds. Well, no, we're not. It's just we've been forgiven. We can be generous. We have an abundance of forgiveness and grace and mercy and love on which we draw. That's very well said. As we bring this to a close, I want to have you answer this question. I, I'm going to answer it first, but um, maybe you can be thinking about how to answer this too. Let's say that we're talking to somebody right now who has been sinned against and the offense is very real to them 
and they're feeling the hurt, the pain, the betrayal, the, the lack of trust now, and so forth. How can that person actually forgive their offender? I want to continue in this passage that I'm looking at and give an answer, and then maybe you can give an answer too. It might be different, might be the same, I don't know. Mm-hmm. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him, speaking of Jesus, mm-hmm. who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If the person who has been sinned against will turn to the cross and see this happening. In other words, they see the cross and they see Jesus being made sin for them. Mm -hmm. They see him taking all their guilt on himself. They see him absorbing in his own body the sin, the curse of God, the wrath being poured out on sin. They see their selves and their sin up there on the cross being crucified. Mm -hmm. And they also see themselves inheriting the righteousness of Christ. They see themselves being gifted as righteous and holy without sin, free from all accusation, completely pure as Jesus is. Mm -hmm. If you see this happening... It almost becomes a knee-jerk reaction then to forgive those who've sinned against us. Mm -hmm. The only problem is when you haven't looked long enough at the cross, you haven't seen fully your own sin removed for and covered over in blood. If you haven't seen that, you will always struggle with forgiveness. Mm. But if you see Jesus being made sin for you, absorbing your your sin and your penalty and your punishment Mm -hmm. so that you go free, then you can, as an automatic response, don't you just want to love everybody? Don't you just want to have open arms for everybody and forgive everybody as you've been forgiven? And what used to seem like a mountain of sin between you two, Mm -hmm. that mountain is now moved out of the way because you've looked so long and so hard at the cross. When people come to us, Jody, and they say, I just can't forgive her, you know, and I, or him, I just can't forgive. All they're saying to us is, I just haven't looked at the cross. Well, and that's it. That's it. We're focused. They're focused on the problem. They're focused on the offense. And it's all that it's taking up all the space in their mind, in their heart. Everything is just consumed with this wrong that's been done against them. And they can't see past it. And that's where the cross, the, the power of the cross comes into play. Because um, we must look to Jesus and his cross if we want to live. There's only death in staring at our own failures, the failures of others, um, sin in general. This is a, a, a dark world right? A fallen world. If we look at each other, ourselves, the world, we are going to be the most depressed bunch of people that there ever were, right? But when we look at the cross, that's greater. So I had thought of an illustration when the people were snake bitten in the wilderness. Right. Um, the solution was for them to turn and look up at the snake on the pole. Right. 
Now, the, the world today would say, oh, no, turn inwardly and look at and examine the wound and, and try to get the poison out. And, and everybody would be walking around looking inward. Yeah. They'd be looking at their flesh. They'd be looking at themselves. Um, or if they are looking at their, their spouse, let's just use this as an example, they would say, look at that snake bite right there. See, you're snake bitten, and you have venom in you, and it's going to kill you, and you, you, you. Right. Is that the solution? It's not. The solution was to turn and look at the uplifted pole. Right. And when they did that, anyone who looked lived. Yes. Somehow the venom was gone. Right. They had a new lease on life. Jesus described it as being born again. Yes. Um, they had no more venom. They were were healed and cured from the snake bite. Yes. And this is how we, too, uh, not only experience freedom and forgiveness ourselves, but are able to look at our partner, our spouse, and say, I forgive you. Yes. I no longer have any venom in me that makes me hold something against you. Yes. So what is your answer to this question? Somebody's been hurt. Somebody's been um, sinned against. They're harboring uh, feelings of pain. They, they, they cannot seem to forgive. Their heart is becoming hard. Um, what would you say to them as to how they can forgive? Right. Well, the only way, the only way that we can do it is to go to the one who is greater, right? Uh, when my heart is overwhelmed, take me to the rock that is higher than I, uh, David saying in the Psalms. And, um, and that is where we are. When we are overwhelmed by the pain that we feel, whatever the offense was, whoever offended us, when we are so burdened down by that, we must come to Christ and his cross. That is where the power is. And when we receive that power, we are changed by it. Suddenly we are able to do what we could not do before. Before, we could not forgive. We couldn't. Let's just be honest, okay? There, in myself, it's not happening, right? But Christ in me, the hope of glory, hallelujah. I'm telling you, Jesus can do in us what we cannot do. And this is the struggle. I think so many people try to forgive in the flesh, and this is why they fail at it. Right? I know I did it for years. Oh, I forgive, sure, while I'm harboring real bitterness and really nursing this grudge and faking, oh, forgiveness. Oh, sure, and I'm being very gracious and, and magnanimous toward the person and feeling like a big person because I'm being I'm taking the high road. Right? And in reality, I have not forgiven. Mm -mm. And it will come out. It came out eventually, right, in this way or that way, right? But then when I learned the power of the cross of Christ, when I learned what it meant to look to Jesus, to wash at the cross, to be cleansed myself, to receive the love that I needed to love others, to be generous toward them, to actually receive true forgiveness. I, I for years did not actually believe God had forgiven me. I didn't because nobody else had, right? Everybody else in my life was holding a grudge, so I figured God was too. But now I understand because of what Christ did on the cross, I am truly forgiven. And now that I've embraced that forgiveness and I really believe it, I can be generous. Offenses that seem 
you know, that used to, to seem overwhelming and unforgivable. Now I know I can entrust myself to Jesus. I can look to God, who is the avenger of all uh, his children, right? He's the avenger of all such sins, First Thessalonians 4, right? Um, so I can entrust myself to God and say, yes, what your son did on the cross is enough. It's enough for me and it's enough for a whole world of sinners. And how dare I not forgive? How dare I try to put myself above that and say, nope, you haven't measured. God says you're forgiven, but I don't quite, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I can't do that anymore. I've received too much mercy and too much grace and too much love to hold on to anything that's only going to hurt me, right? So forgiveness is awesome, and I think we all ought to do it in Jesus' name. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we will close. Jody. I love talking about this with you today. (laughs) This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.